Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. Happy Saturday. Welcome back into the Arrowhead Pride Best of the Week podcast. I'm host and audio producer of the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network, Stephen Serta. The day before Super Bowl 57. Only one more sleep before we see the Kansas City Chiefs take on the Philadelphia Eagles to decide who is this season's best NFL team. So we got plenty to get to on today's show. We'll start things off with Out of Structure, discussing some key Chiefs that maybe you haven't thought of so far. After that, it's the Great British Chiefs show, discussing their full Super Bowl preview. Then it's Chiefs Coast to Coast, discussing some Chiefs injury updates that we need to keep an eye on ahead of Sunday. After that, we're going to take a quick timeout. Then when we get back, I sat down with our friend from Bleeding Green Nation, Brandon Lee Gowton, to understand how the Eagles find themselves in yet another Super Bowl after rebuilding their team from their last Super Bowl win. After that, we'll finish things up with Show and BK discussing what the Chiefs need to do when they have the ball on Sunday. That's all coming up on today's Arrowhead Pride Best of the Week. Well, now that Tom Brady is officially retired again, Mahomes has now appeared in more Super Bowls than any other active quarterback. Uh, this is right. a young quarterback group in the NFL right now. We talked about previously that he was the oldest starting quarterback in the playoffs for the uh, on the AFC side, especially. Um, and so it really does show that yes, he's on pace to have a historic start to his career. He needs this win to get there, but also the experience that he's had, you know, there's nothing Mahomes hasn't seen yet when it comes to pressure, when it comes to big games, when it comes to being at the Super Bowl and performing in the Super Bowl. They asked him about that in media day, and he talks about how he didn't feel – he doesn't really feel the pressure of the Super Bowl, per se, uh, or the, the legacy pressure, but he, he feels pressure to, to do right by his teammates, which I think is a, a pretty good way of looking at it. He's accountable to his team, and he believes he believes in his teammates more so than he's looking at his own legacy, but it doesn't mean we can't look at it. Right, exactly. But no, I, I, I do think him and Andy Reid have a chance to really cement their legacies with multiple Super Bowl wins with the with the franchise, you know, and and, and obviously Reid had the, the, the career before the Chiefs, which is great, makes a great storyline for this game. But um, at, the, at the same time, man, if he if he gets a couple of rings with Kansas City, you know, taking over a team, we've, you know, we've gone over it before. You know, the, he, he just he's really is, you know, getting close to cementing himself is really just like it's Belichick. And then Andy, if he, you know, if he, if he does get, you know, an, uh, another ring with Kansas City, I mean, I, I think he's he's earning that right to get there. But those guys have cemented their legacies to an extent. Just it just can add on, right? I do think, you know, and and we'll, let's talk through this because I'm curious your thoughts. I mean, there's not a ton of guys with like it's do or die job on the line um, throughout the roster on, on Sunday, but there are a few maybe names that we can talk through. Um, you know, I threw out like the offensive tackles, for instance, right? Like. You know, if Orlando Brown Jr. has a great game, can he earn that deal? Or if he, on the flip side, can he just completely sever ties with this team? That kind of thing. Wiley maybe in that same area because he is a free agent as well. I don't know, Stags. When you think about it, you know, 
do or die kind of games for any individual players. I mean, coaches even. I don't know. Does anyone come to mind uh, or, or just what do you think about the offensive tackles? I do think this is an important game for Orlando Brown Jr. We've talked about it through the entire postseason that, you know, he had an up and down regular season. But if he delivers big time in the postseason, and this is a really difficult matchup for him. And we'll talk more about that, I'm sure. But he could justify a deal in this game. And, and really, if you back up and say, well, he, he actually has played pretty well throughout the postseason run if he plays well in this game. If he doesn't play well in this game, then obviously you've got uh, a different argument. So, yeah, I think I think for Orlando Brown, the the contract is probably on the line. Wiley, I think the, the coaches like him. Uh, he's a valuable guy to have around. I know he's going to be up for free agency. I think they should continue to look for a long-term replacement for him, but yeah. he'd be an easy guy for them to bring back, I think. Yeah, no, his you know maybe his uh, starting role is is kind of well. I mean, either way, you know his starting role is probably done for for next year. I mean, you you'd imagine, um, but you're right. He may not lose you know his job on the team necessarily. Do you know whether or not he has a good performance in this game? But how about you know I, I, how about Willie Gay and Legarius Need, two guys that in the defensive draft class um, from for, are kind of coming up for extensions. Two guys that have been important to this defense, but you know. Willie, especially, I mean, is there anything to, um, you know, maybe just, you know, he's made some plays down the stretch, obviously, but it's been inconsistent. They've been trusting Darius Harris over him, Darius Harris over him at times. Um, and, and obviously Sneed's important, but I don't know. What do you think? I mean, is there any, you know, is there any like, all right, contract extension sealed and done, you know, if they have good games in this, in this, uh, game, you know, kind of that winning, you know, kind of, uh, you know, kind of rubs off, you know, the winning rubs off, they say in the contract negotiations, I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, there'll be a glow over a lot of team, a lot of the players on this team when it comes to contract negotiations if they win here. I think Legarius Sneed has been making a case for a top cornerback contract, not just a slot guy, not just a, a utility man, but like an actual top of the market cornerback contract. He could cement that this week, coming back from the concussion that he suffered last. Uh, in the last game, seems like he'll be good to go on the field, uh, clearing the protocol. Yeah, he could have a big game, and he's going to be really, really important. He might be one of the most important players on either side of the ball this week. His tackling ability, his blitz ability, uh, his coverage, like just his ability to cause turnovers in general, he could be a huge factor for this team, uh, uh, for this Super Bowl. And, yeah, that could just be a cherry on top of a, a, a season where he – can easily sit back and command a, a big, big deal. I'm not sure about Willie Gay Jr. yet. I think there's still some yeah. some more to prove there. But I think Sneed, I could see him blowing up this week and um, using that as leverage in his contract negotiation. Right, and and there there could be a chance where yeah, if he really does struggle to you know keep up with an AJ Brown or just kind of you know um, you know maybe they can use that as leverage and maybe you know maybe things get ugly because you know they they don't want to budge. But I do think Snead Snead will be here. I think especially now that you have these rookie cornerbacks, you don't have to pay down until down the line. You can use some money to lock up Snead, a guy that's a, a, a obviously an essential part for the defense. But you're right, man, Willie, you know. He, he may have to have a really good game to, to have that extension kind of in, in talks, right? Because, you know, I don't know. I think right now you can kind of make the argument that they could probably, you know, maybe replace what he's been doing with maybe just another draft pick at some point. Um, and so maybe you don't think extension. But at the same time, 
all of a sudden Willie, you know, covers up Dallas Goddard, you know, gets, you know, you know, it's just all, all over the field in the run game, the QB run game. He shows his worth. I don't know. So that's where I, I do think he has a, a really a, a big opportunity too to, to really show, especially these athletic quarterbacks. That's why, you know, a Willie Gay kind of type is so, uh, is so intriguing is he can track down these athletic quarterbacks, Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, uh, Jalen Hurts. Um, so, yeah, I, I do think it's a big stage for him to prove whether or not he, he should be here long term. He feels like he's always unfulfilled potential. Like, yeah, exactly. He's somebody who you keep thinking is going to be the guy. And whether it's injuries or coaches' decisions or whatever else, hasn't quite gotten there yet. And so, yeah, I, I think you could start to argue that he's a, an athletic linebacker, but you can find another athletic linebacker and, and plug him in and, and get a similar result. I do want to go back. You mentioned Andy Reid earlier. A win here, the second title, to me, just solidifies his Hall of Fame resume. You could argue that he's got a Hall of Fame resume in Philly and one in Kansas City. But with one Super Bowl title, uh, you know, I think that was important for him to get over that hump. But to have multiple Super Bowl titles, I think that is a a big deal for him. Um, To get to two and two in the Super Bowl with a win here. He lost one in Philly. Lost one in Kansas City, won one in Kansas City. This is kind of the swing boat here again to getting back to 500 in Super Bowls. You don't want to go in and have on your resume that you have a losing record in Super Bowls uh, <laughs> over your career or a losing playoff record in your career. Those are things that that tend to be an asterisk or a a question. Yeah, well, and 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 the other thing about that too is usually you know. Uh, coaches it's kind of a hall of fame moment if he was to win because usually coaches you know or teams win when they trade for a future hall of fame receiver and uh, you know add them to the squad and 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 that's when they kind of take off right and go on a super bowl super bowl run andy reed trades away a hall of fame receiver future hall of fame receiver potentially and uh and goes on this run it's just kind of funny you know because he was the one who got to that year and you know um you know he, he's been down that road of kind of loading up for a run but this is kind of one of those it's on Andy, right? Like you can't say, okay, he just stacked up and now he's riding a, a great roster. This isn't a, this is an Andy Reed special getting them to this point, obviously Mahomes too, but yeah, I, I think Andy Reed, you know, if he was to win this, I, I think people need to consider, you know, kind of those circumstances and how little those opportunities turn into Super Bowl titles. There's some other history in this game. There's, this is the first time in NFL history that two black quarterbacks have been uh, faced off as starters in the Super Bowl. It's also the first time in NFL history where two brothers have been facing each other in the Super Bowl. Uh, so it's going to be fun from that perspective. I'm sure the eight hours of Super Bowl pregame shows will hit all of those topics uh, pretty hard. But there's one tough question that we've been wrestling with maybe all season. Expectations for this Chiefs team in this season and how you view the 2022 Kansas City Chiefs, does it hinge on whether or not they win this week? Uh, to phrase it differently, as, as someone asked Nick Sirianni this week, is this a must-win game? <laughs> right, a must-win game for, uh, you know, our, our uh, you know, consciousness or approval, I guess, right? Uh, you know, yeah, no, is we talked about it a couple of weeks ago, you know, thinking through, you know, um, before they won the AFC title, right? I think we had a question about it. You know, whether or not this Chiefs season winning the AFC championship was enough to call it a successful season or 
will they have to win the Super Bowl? And if they fall short, are we going to, you know, should we rightfully say, look, they didn't get it done. You know, we should chastise, you know, you know, I know people love, you know, I, I remember some people were wanting Spags gone no matter what happened in this, in this year. And maybe that gets revisited because they lose all that, all that uh, kind of thing to say. I'm kind of on the side and I am on the side. I'm going to firmly stand on this side that I, I think winning the AFC gaining back that throne, proving that, Hey, you know, in the year that we're kind of retooling, kind of figuring out who we want to be in this next generation, we got back to the Super Bowl and, and beat everyone in the AFC, you know, in their prime pretty much. I think that's enough to call it a successful season, you know, in terms of just the team's overall success. I, I'm going to stand firmly in, in that, in that fence stags. To me, I just think the numbers and that we just talked about, the historical context, the importance of this game, I, I don't necessarily feel that way anymore. I think that this is a game they have to win. Uh, otherwise, it's going to be very, very disappointing. Uh, Patrick Mahomes talked about, they asked him, do you think about the, the game that you won, the Super Bowl that you won, or the one that you lost more? And he's like, definitely, you, you think about the one that you lost, you're more motivated by it, all of that stuff, which I, I think is all all well and good. But this franchise has a chance to be a dynasty and they're not, they're not going to be one if they lose this game. It's not going to be considered a dynasty, at least for a few more years. Uh, if they happen to lose this game, if you win this game, now you can start that talk up again, you know, two Super Bowl wins, five AFC uh, title games at home. Now all of a sudden you can say they're dominating this era uh, of, of NFL football. If they lose this game, then you can say, well, this is a team that that has a losing record in the Super Bowl. That's not getting the job done in the in the biggest games. That they've you know struggled to get past Brady. They struggled to get past uh, you know Burrow and the and the Bengals. They struggled to get you know with, with Josh Allen. They struggled in the Super Bowl against uh, Jalen Hurts. So I think there's going to be right. just a lot of a lot of points that people can make. You can really shut shut all of those points down with a win. This you win this game. This team is on track for everything. Lose this game, and you know, it was a surprisingly good season. It's still a disappointment if you can look back and say they just lost another suit. No, I, I definitely get that part of it, and and I and it's it's a valid point, right? Because you don't, you can't. It is when you look back and you take a big picture perspective, and you look at the fact that they've hosted five straight AFC championships and have won three of them. I mean, you know, just in general, not even taking away the win or losses in those games, you you. you it's hard not to say you got to come away with more than one Super Bowl. So I, from that perspective, I totally understand you're, you know, this is still the prime of this era, this Mahomes era, I would say. I, you know, it's hard to imagine they're going to run into another Hall of Fame, you know, tight end. And they had obviously Tyreek two uh, in the first, you know, uh, run. And, you know, then he's not going to have Andy Reid forever. So it, it is, it's a valid point. Um, I just, you know, I, I take, I try to take myself back to what I felt like preseason and, and, and kind of, you know, I, with the division as stacked as it looked and I get, it, you know, things change as the season goes, we see the division sucks. So it doesn't, you know, maybe I shouldn't care too much about that, but it just, it did feel like, you know, we, if we would ask ourselves at the beginning of the season, Hey, you know, we, we got back to a super bowl. You know, I, I think a lot of us would have said, you know, Hey, you know, in this year where we don't have Tyreek anymore, our defense is a bunch of rookies, you know, that's, that's pretty dang impressive. And, and I think, well, we'd take that, but, the fan in me, obviously, is you know is going to be very disappointed if they don't pull this out Sunday. If Mahomes is healthy, ah, uh, healthier, 
healthy. He'd be healthy. He'd be fine. He'd be fine. The ankle He'd be, be fine. fine. He'd be fine. Yeah. If Tony plays, like he's saying, he's definitely going to play. If Juju can get on the field, obviously Travis Kelsey, we haven't heard anything about the backs. You like to think that he's okay. A full offensive line. If they can game plan for the, the, the Eagles pass rush, which has been dominant this year, maybe we're going to see a continuation of what we were going to see against the Jacksonville Jaguars, which was, in my opinion, going to be complete and utter domination on the part of Patrick mm-hmm. Mahomes. Maybe that's the type of game we're going to see this week. Maybe we're going to see Andy Reid's best, Andy Reid's finest, Andy Reid's finest cheeseburger of a play call. That's what we're going to see <laughs> this this weekend. And maybe Brandon Ayuk has just kind of like made it public knowledge. Actually, yeah. The Eagles can be had. We were going to have them, but then Brock Purdy decided to twist his elbow in half. Like I don't, I, I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't be reading into it that much, but he has made me feel a lot better about the Chiefs playing the number one passing defense. The fact that if they think they were going to game plan for it with Brock Purdy and they were going to score points, what's Patrick Mahomes going to do? Knowing what they were in line to do to open this playoffs, open these these playoffs against the Jaguars. Should we really take it serious at the fact that this Eagles team has the number one defensive line, the number one defense, passing defense, yeah, and the fact that they are the number one all-line as well? Do we have to take that serious? Consider considering the the season they've had, yeah, where it's it, the strength of schedule was what twenty something, I think it was, I think from memory. Is it really something that we can take? Can we take this Eagles team really serious? Because they they breezed through the playoffs, but yeah. not because of the way that they played, because it was basically because either the opposition was absolutely killing itself, i.e. the yeah. Niners, or it was the fact that the Giants just kind of reached the peak and kind of ran out of, ran out of steam. Can we really, really consider the Eagles as, as thinking, well, they've really proven themselves? Because at least the Chiefs have gone through probably one of the most difficult starts of the season. Yeah. Um, can we take the Eagles serious? I mean, you've got to. You've got to. <laughs> you've got we to. can't sit here and talk about the talent that they've got uh, in all they three levels talent, of the defence yeah. and everywhere on offence. We can't talk about their the levels of talent and not take them seriously. Do I think they've had it kind of easy this year? Absolutely. But they've mm. dealt with good teams. Uh, they've dealt with bad teams. Like that, we The Chiefs have done it. The Chiefs have played some bad teams this year and just done enough to beat them. Do we think any less of the Chiefs are doing that? No, they just kind of bored maybe a little bit and they're just like breezing through. It's not their fault that they play the Giants, which were a team which was heavily outmatched. It's not their fault that the uh, the 49ers would decided to like kill themselves. They literally, you themselves didn't they? <laughs> literally yeah. are, are on the field um, in the NFC Championship game. It's not their fault. But if you want to take some, I don't know, words of encouragement or like, from those games is maybe how the 49ers stopped the Eagles consistently in the first half of that game. Like there, I think there was three free and outs in a row from um, the Eagles. And that's when the game was close. And this is just in and around the time that Christian McCaffrey scored that touchdown. So yeah. the, the 49ers were in the game. Then it just kind of like threw it away a little bit. They conceded a touchdown just before the half. And then they, just again, they got the ball back just before half time, And then they fumbled and then, the Eagles made it a, a two-score game just before half-time, and that kind of killed that game as a contest. But maybe you can take some encouragement from the fact that they weren't moving the ball very well against the 49ers. And now that I know the 49ers' defense is nowhere near as good as the Chiefs. Um, sorry, I know the Chiefs' defense is nowhere near as good as the 49ers, but they've been playing very well, the Chiefs' defense. And so maybe there's some 
some bits there that the Chiefs can take some encouragement from. Mm. But I wouldn't read too much into those particular games, Not certainly not the 49ers and the Giants. If you're going to look at any games from the, the uh, Eagles schedule, you probably want to look at the games against the Cowboys, which mm. were points, points, points. And that's very much how I expect this game to go, by the way. Uh, I expect a, a very high score and a fair end. Maybe looking at that, Prescott probably be the best quarterback that the Eagles faced this year. Compare, mm. Comparable to what who was the best quarterback that we've played this year? What Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, Josh Allen? Like, like the list is endless of all the good quarterbacks that we Quite played. Quite a few today. in there. <laughs> yeah, so we've we've been we've been battle tested. I don't think the Eagles have been, but that doesn't mean I'm taking them any less serious. I think they're. A well, if anything, they might be they might be a lot fresher. You never know. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's yeah, maybe that's true. Maybe that's true. Um. Is there a particular player on the Chiefs that you think might be the key to opening up this uh, this number one defense? Uh, is there is there a particular player that you think I quite fancy him this time? I mean, I, everyone talks about Kelsey and stuff, and it's going to be the Kelsey ball, but there must be somebody out there in this Chiefs team that you think is going to be the rising star. We had it with Damian Williams in the um, the, the Super Bowl Fifty Four. Mm-hmm. He had a brilliant time there, didn't he? And he, he made sure he kind of. Uh, took the game on its on its back sort of thing and and, and made a made a statement uh is there a is there a player like that that might surprise us it depends on what receivers dress to be honest mm. um so i think they will dress but it's how, how active they're going to be so i i, yeah. I want to say someone like tony but you just you don't know you don't know how healthy he is Mm. Uh, you don't know what state he's going to be into play. So I'm going to go with one of the running backs and I'm going to say Isaiah Pacheco. All right. Okay. I'm I'm going to say he's going to have a game. I think. No, I'm changing that. Oh, no, I'm I'm changing that. No, 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 not Isaiah Pacheco. No, 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 no. No, 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 Pacheco. Uh, uh, You're gearing up for Dublin, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm going to say the other running back, Jack McKinnon. Me? Yeah. Seriously? Yeah, I'm going to say the other running back. I've, like, obviously, he's going to have a job on his hands anyway, helping out with pass protection because this Eagles defensive line just gets so many sacks. Yeah. And we have a couple of weak links out and uh, out on the tackles. Out on the tackles. So um, I think Jack McKinnon's going to have a lot to do with pass protection, but I think he's going to get sprung as well yeah. in those type of plays and the check downs in the screen game. I, I am looking forward to Jack McKinnon having himself a game because he's been so close to Super Bowls before with so many like good teams. And now he's finally at one. He finally gets to play in the Super Bowl. So yeah, I, I think he's going to have a good game. If, if, if he's going to be any Chiefs player that, that's not named Patrick, that's not named Travis, that I think are going to have a good game and I know they're healthy. I'm going to say Jarek McKinnon. Mate, I, I've been saying Jared McKinnon all week. I've been on these other podcasts in the UK and I've said yeah. Jared McKinnon all the time. I just feel that Jared McKinnon has something that has that versatility that we kind of need, but okay. also the kind of surprise factor as well, because everybody's going to be doubling up on Kelsey. They, yeah. they triple him, they're going to be locking him down because he's clearly the Chiefs' best receiver at the minute. Mm-hmm. The, the stats have proven that. Um, Hall of Fame talent. So... Like you said, McKinnon's going to be that one player who I hope, and and I hope I'm kind of right on this, one, um, but I really hope that Andy Reid kind of dusts off one of his old playbooks, the Alex Smith era playbooks, right? Now, okay. now follow me on this one, right? Okay. When 
when Jamal Charles had that five touchdown game against the Raiders, <laughs> right? Where... No pressure, Jerry. No pressure, Jerry. We just want you to have the just be Jamal Charles best fantasy game of all time. That's what we want you to repeat. And also, Jerry, can you do it in the Super Bowl? Is that yeah. okay? <laughs> yeah, can you can you do that? Is, is that all right, Jerry? Are you Jerry, are you sure? Can you handle this? Do you want That'd to have my an question all-time performance? <laughs> That'd be my yeah. question at the Super Bowl Open Day. Can you just play, <laughs> yeah. play like Jamal Charles? Um, <laughs> no, but, but what I mean by it is, I'm going to clear this up because what I mean by it is, yes, there's going to be a lot of emphasis on the Eagles are going to be really kind of pressuring Mahomes as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If he can, like you say, spring out and be that kind of check down that Alex Smith used to used to give to Jamal Charles in that, in that five-touchdown game. Because if you watch that back, it was a lot of the time it was bringing on the, the Raiders Read his pass it was and he was screen, screen passes. It was all screen passes, wasn't it? Yeah. And and look how effective it was. Yeah. So I'm I'm kind of hoping that we have the ghost of Alex Smith playbook <laughs> wheeled Jeez. in, dusted off by Andy Reid, and goes, "Do you know what, guys? We're about to party and have we're gonna have oh, gold God. cheeseburgers for our, for our, the rest of our days." Oh, sorry. Let's <laughs> let's get rid of Travis Kelsey. Let's just put Sean McGrath at. Yeah, yeah, the beard. (laughs) (laughs) Come on, come on, mate. If that happens, if Jeremy Kinnan gets a five TD game in the Super Bowl, well, if Jeremy Kinnan gets five TDs in the Super Bowl, he's going to win Super Bowl MVP, and his current odds to win Super Bowl MVP are fifty to one. So, book it; it's happening. Yeah, it's got to be. It's got to be a worth (laughs) a tenner, isn't it, Brad? (laughs) (laughs) Don't take gambling advice off me. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, but it's it's kind of like a, a redemption story, isn't it? This Super Bowl for the offensive line, but it's, well, more so Brett Beach because obviously when we played the last Super Bowl we were in against the Bucks, we all know what happened there with the offensive line and the the terrorizing pass rush of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Mahomes running for his life, and obviously that led to the rebuild, that led to um, almost like a culture change, a shift change in the way that they were going to build the team, mm-hmm. protect Pat first, then give him weapon second. Um, and now we're in a Super Bowl where they're facing a, a similar sort of opposition, a, a just as scary mm. defensive line. And it kind of, this game and how Patrick Mahomes plays in it and how well he's protected will tell us whether the plan paid off or not. Like, yeah. it's the day of reckoning for that plan, for that off-season of 2020, or 2021 rather. It's that, that off-season there. It's this is this weekend is when we find out whether Brett Veach's plan worked or not. Because if, from it, yeah, yeah, but well, because if they can't protect, if they can't protect Patrick Mahomes against a good defensive line on Sunday, then you might as well just spend all the money on the defense. Mm. <laughs> Let's be honest, you might as well just try and make the defense an all-world yeah. defense and make them good. Like you're, you're talking about handing out contracts in a couple of years to Trey Smith and Creed Humphrey, Orlando Brown wants to get paid, but if they can't do it in the Super Bowl in the biggest game against a four-man pass rush in Hassan Reddick, Fletcher Cox, and all the other guys that they have on the uh, Sweat, um, Brandon Graham, all those other guys that they have yeah. on the defensive line for the Eagles, if you can't protect against them in the Super Bowl, then what's the point in paying them? There is no point in paying them. So the Chiefs, the Chiefs offensive line are kind of playing for a payday as well this, this week. If they, they want their big payday, if Orlando Brown wants to get paid by Kansas City in the offseason, he can't let anyone touch Patrick Mahomes on Sunday. I mean, because now if this team, they win this Super Bowl, and we'll probably get into this a little bit later, 
Nah, go ahead, because I know you wanted to say this with your chef. Oh, okay. Go so ahead. You, you know where I'm going with this. Okay. Yes, because this is classic Mark Gunnels. The Chiefs, no one will be able to do what the Chiefs have done in a five-year span. <laughs> so, the Chiefs win the Super Bowl. The discussions are a lot different. You have two Super Bowls in the Mahomes era, five years. He has two Super Bowl rings at 27 years old. Andy Reid gets his second one. Travis Kelsey gets his second one. Conversations are different, man. Chris Jones gets his second one. And not to mention, we all talked about it all year. This was a reset year. Obviously, there's no reloading when you have Patrick Mahomes at quarterback. But it was a reset year. You traded Tyreek Hill. You got a lot of assets back, a lot of draft capital. You're playing a lot of rookies. You, you saved some cap space. So, yeah, anytime you have 15, you have a chance to win the Super Bowl. But before the year, that wasn't what everybody thought, especially from the outside looking in. It was all about the Bills. And then even heading to the playoffs, people were saying the Bengals are the Bills, right? Because they just didn't believe that this team without Tyreek Hill could get over the hump. So if they win it this year, I'm telling you, Aaron, I know you don't go like it because you think I'm you're going to say yellow light. But they're gonna be they're gonna be even better next year, Aaron. And that's that's being objective. Because you have all these rookies that are gonna be second year players, you have cap space this offseason, and you have 12 more picks in this year's draft. How are they not gonna be better next year? So if they win this year, there's gonna be serious talk about a repeat. I just don't think you can go there yet. And I think Andy Reid kind of gave voice to that today when he was asked about the D word, the dynasty word, and, and what a win on Sunday would mean for, for KC. You can't even let your mind get to that place yet. Baby. Once you start thinking about that, once you start trying to put Mahomes' legacy up against some of the other great quarterbacks' legacies, before you finish the food on your plate, that's how you get beat. So I don't even really want to have that conversation. I understand you the voice of Chiefs Kingdom and, you know, you got to you gotta stir the streets and let them know how you feel and yada, yada. But it's still, it's still, a, the job's not finished. Well, Aaron, the words of Kobe you're Bryant. talking like, like, like we're on the team. We're not playing. So we can talk <laughs> about that as long as they don't, they're not talking about it. We can talk about it all we want to. We're not the ones strapping up the helmet and the pads on Sunday. That's real. And I, I get that. I, I, but and I'll just hit you with a little rebuttal. I know we jump we jumped the shark on this story a little bit, but I knew you wanted to get this out. What's the conversation if it doesn't happen? What's the conversation if if it's uh, one Super Bowl out of the last five? Are, are we starting to look at at Mahomes a little differently? Are you putting an asterisk on some of his things because you know that stat is out there? No no player has ever won an MVP in a Super Bowl in the same year. Oh and nine. Uh, in those possibilities, is the, is the conversation different? Are you looking at 15 differently? Are you looking at what Brett Beach has built in Kansas City a different way if, if the result doesn't go the way you want on, on Sunday? Well, I think it's 0-9 in the last nine attempts because Kurt Warner did Kurt like, did it in 2000. Since like 2000, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, I mean, it, it depends on how the game goes. Like, what if Mahomes goes out there and throws for 400 yards, three or four touchdowns, and they still lose like 41 to 38. Like, am I going to really look at him differently because of that? Now, if he has a bad performance and they lose, then, you know, sure. Obviously, it's going to be some conversation because let's be honest, he hasn't had the best Super Bowl game so far, right? Even though he won MVP the first year, he threw two picks in that game. It's obviously the Bucks game, but that wasn't his fault. But still, 30 years from now, nobody's going to care about context. They're going to be like, well, he, he didn't throw one touchdown and he threw two picks. So... <laughs> 
He hasn't played that. Yeah, he hasn't played like, that well in the Super Bowl. So that that is that is a thing. That is a real thing. This was before I was even a, a, a certified stamped media member. I really thought Damian was the MVP that first year. I mean, I was almost shocked that he didn't get it. Uh, yeah, that win yeah. In Miami. Who would be your MVP? Are you, are you doing this later? Are you doing this for your, your props or who, who's your MVP? Um, oh, wait, wait, man, slow down, slow down, slow down. <laughs> you, you, come on, you, you're jumping the gun, man. <laughs> I'm back on space for the first time. I don't know how to act. This one, <laughs> I'm trying to get my bearings back under you, you, all you these can't, emojis. You, you can't see up, my man. facial expression. That, that's the problem. Yeah, we all. I'm all rattled. I'm not at the crib anymore. It's, it's all over the place. <laughs> you got media walking around you, <laughs> bro. It's crazy. I mean, I was, uh, you know, ESPN folk, and and this was my first real taste of. You know, you hear Radio Row, and obviously, if you're a sports fan and you follow the Super Bowl, Radio Row is something that you're familiar with. But you know, seeing it for the first time and being around it is. It's surreal, man. Covering my first Super Bowl, this shit is awesome. Yeah, I keep forgetting because you were you were here, but it was the COVID year when we played the Bucks, right? Yeah, yeah. it was the COVID year. So only my only the sports director from Forty One went. Mick Schaefer did a great job, bang up job, but I mean, it was just limits. Now we got eleven people out here from Forty One. Best coverage in KC. If you if you rocking with us, y'all already know what time it is. Uh, we got eleven people out here. Covering the Chiefs from uh, I got here Tuesday. We had people who got out here Saturday, all the way to the game on on Sunday. It's just it's crazy, man. Wow, that's 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 special, man. I know you guys are uh, not nah, there. I'll, I'll hold that for off air. Oh wow, <laughs> <laughs> wow. Let's get into these injuries a little bit. That's something I got written down here. This is this will get us back on the rails. There were some uh, transactions made on Monday. That um, impacted our sure to impact Super Bowl Sunday. McCall Hardman sent down to injury reserve. His season is over, and, and and quite possibly his tenure as a chief is over. But the corresponding move is Clyde Edwards-Alaire being elevated. Uh, Kadarius Tony said on opening night that he's definitely going to play. I hate when players say I'm definitely going to play because that's out of their control. But uh, we'll see if he's definitely playing on Sunday. I would say he plays. And then Mahomes says he's doing better uh, on the ankle. And Andy Reid said today that he's pretty much can do everything in the game plan of those four guys, maybe some guys I didn't mention, uh, what stands out to you? Um, I think McCall Hardman. I, I was a little surprised they shut him down so early in the week, but that kind of tells me the injury must be more serious than we probably thought. I mean, obviously we knew it was the fact that he re-injured it during the game against the Bengals. So kind of disappointing, you know, you thought maybe they would try to stretch it out a little bit longer so they can give it a go considering it is the Super Bowl. And after this game, you have, what, five, six months to rest. But he is a free agent, so, you know, that could affect his money in the offseason. I'm sure that was a, a little bit of a factor there as well. And also, big picture-wise with him, I know you said that that could be his last game as a Chief. And, you know, before the year, we pretty much talked about this, and we pretty much assumed that this would be his last year. But the way the year went went for him, I'm not so sure now. Because you have to imagine his his stock mm. is really low at this point. No leverage. So, yeah, you got basically no leverage. Yeah, so nobody's going to throw him, I don't think, a, a bag to where the Chiefs couldn't match it, right? And if he's a guy, in my mind, I think he's going to be on a one-year prove-it deal. I don't see him getting a multi-year deal anywhere. So if you're going that route, why wouldn't you have a prove-it prove it deal 
in a place where you're familiar with the system, you've been here your whole career versus going somewhere else. And, you know, it's a little bit more risky because then if you don't play well in a new system, new quarterback and all of that and a one year deal, things are starting looking kind of spooky for you after that. So I think in a weird way, this may force them back in Kansas City. And not to mention Kadarius Tony. You can't trust him to stay healthy at all. He, he's, he's a luxury. So you can't go into next year. Honestly, you have to go into next year assuming that you really don't even have him. Like, yes, you have him, but, I mean, is he going to play, what, eight or nine games next year? Maybe. So, and this is the first time Hardman has missed a game in his entire career this season. So, let's not act like he's not durable because this is just the first time in his career. So, I think if you're the Chiefs, I think you bring him back. You know, I don't hate that. I don't hate that take from you because I, I think, and I think we're on the same page about this, there really is no – I mean, what's the market going to be? You're going to go somewhere where, sure, you'll get the ball and sure, you'll get a bunch of playing time, but, I mean, you're going to win four or five games. <laughs> yeah. Like, I guess you could, like, you could stay in Kansas City and be, and be a place that you're comfortable and be a part of a system where you know how they use you uh, and you know they're going to contend for a championship every year. Or you could go somewhere like, I'm just throwing names out there, Atlanta, or you can go somewhere where, sure, you're going to have a bigger role in the offense and that kind of thing, but um, – you know, what are you playing for come February? What are you playing for come January? Yeah. Um, I'm not shocked by it. You, you know, one day you will listen to me on this podcast, I swear, because I told you this three weeks ago, four weeks ago, and you were listening to Twitter over me. What, what are you talking about? About the McCall. Well, but you, you didn't think he was going to play in the Cincinnati game at that time. He should not have played in the Cincinnati game. Mark, what told you? I mean, did he look like a healthy player to you in Cincinnati? Against Cincinnati? Well, clearly not. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but at that time, I remember I remember saying, I didn't even say that game, though. And if they actually listened to me, it probably would have been better off. Remember, I said the Super Bowl, if they make it, is when I think he, can, he could come back. So imagine if he didn't play in that game. He would have an extra week. He probably would have been pretty good by now. It's crazy how, like strapped they were at the end of that game like I mean they needed him they needed Watson who I talked to today say he's feeling better he's good to go he's excited for the Super Bowl I mean it just at the end of that game it was me and you out there <laughs> yeah I mean Marcus Kent caught a crucial first down Marcus Kent who they just picked up last like a couple weeks ago <laughs> What are you expecting from Tony? You mentioned it. You mentioned him as maybe a guy you can't depend on long term. Let's go short term. Can you depend on him Super Bowl Sunday? Can you give me his stat line or, or what you're expecting from from Tony? I mean, am I, I assuming Eagles? he plays the full game? <laughs> this is just what you, this is. This is your assumptions. Well, you I'm not assume. in the business of predicting injuries, so I'm not going to do that. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to go in assuming he plays the full game. I do think he has a role. I mean, especially with McCall Hardman being out. He's kind of that gadgety, you know, jet sweep guy, get the ball out of space, wide receiver screens, quick hitches. So, yeah, I, I do think he would have a game. I think you, you'll see about, what, four or five catches, you know, but maybe, maybe 40 to 50 yards and maybe a touchdown. 
Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I am very excited for Sunday's game. It cannot get here fast enough. And so I'm excited to chat with you for uh, the listeners in our Chiefs audience um, who you know aren't as locked in to the Philadelphia Eagles as someone like you is like, this is a, a good opportunity to try to fill them in on some players that maybe they're not, they don't know, or they're not paying attention to or things that they don't even really understand or acknowledge when it comes to this game, because a lot of it is just it's Patrick Mahomes versus Jalen hurts is offensive line versus defensive line and stuff like that. So kind of what I wanted to get your take on to start things off here is, you know, the Eagles, obviously, uh, Howie Roseman, one of the most respected general managers in football, and the Eagles are one of the best organizations in football right now. And Howie shows it on a yearly basis by kind of fleecing some of these other teams and deals and making moves. So, you know, for a team that was just in a Super Bowl, won a Super Bowl in recent past, this is a very different team. Like, this team has gone through a total rebuild basically with still some few key members from that Super Bowl roster, but. How did this team turn this thing around so fast where you go from Doug Peterson, Super Bowl, Carson Wentz, quarterback, Nick Foles, playoff run. And now like you rebuild it a couple of years later with a new coaching staff, new roster, new quarterback, and you're just back in a Super Bowl again. Yeah, it's a good question, Stephen. I mean, this this could be like a 30 minute answer here, but uh, <laughs> I, I think it's it's really is unique and we have to take the time to point that out because it's crazy like how many teams do this they get back to the super bowl with a totally different head coach totally different quarterback um last time it was a backup quarterback it's it's just very unique i think it kind of speaks to um you know what this organization has done well in a lot of regards which is have stability even though there have been periods of turmoil i mean ultimately jeffrey lurie has proven to be good at hiring head coaches i think part of that is that Yes, the head coaches are good, but also there is this organizational stability in place and support system when it comes to things like, you know, a training staff now and an approach there where I think that the Eagles have been able to stay so healthy in part because they're very disciplined about how they practice. There wasn't a single day in training camp this year where there was like more than two practices in a row and their practices are short and they get a lot of flack for that in the, in the summer when everyone's like, oh, they're not practicing enough. Well, I mean, it seems to be working out for them. You know, you could say the downside is like it was early on in the season. They weren't necessarily the best tackling team. Maybe they kind of that's that's the the price you have to pay for that health. I mean, you'll you'll sign up for the health and not having any kind of key injuries in training camp. And that's just one example. You know, the analytics is obviously another big factor. Just the fact that we saw Sirianni, uh, we're we're seeing Sirianni be so aggressive, and we obviously saw that with Doug Peterson once upon a time as well. And I don't think you can just say organization alone deserves credit for that so ultimately is the coach making the call in a key situation and deciding to go for it but obviously they're they're you know being briefed on these kind of decisions and you know they're going into that uh decision making process with a lot of information so i think there's a lot of support here and i think that harry roseman is obviously a, a common denominator here in terms of just the talent that he was able to acquire it's, it's really kind of funny because last year 
was a little bit frustrated um, with the discussion or the discourse about Howie because it was like, wow, he's done a great job turning around this team from four and twelve or whatever it was to four uh, eleven and one to you know playoff team. And I'm like, okay, but he's the same guy who tore down the Super Bowl team that he also built. So it's kind of it, it's it was almost as if people treated it like he was a brand new GM that took over this bad situation, but he made the bad situation. Um, so you know, I think more than one thing could be true. I think how he did a bad job of maintaining the team after the Eagles initial first Super Bowl, which at the time I thought was a little bit fluky in the terms of he he really hit on a number of key free agency signings in that one offseason in 2017 in terms of Alshon Jeffrey and the Garrett Blunt and Chris Long and Patrick Robinson. Like you can go down the list and it wasn't necessarily sustainable to me. So, you know, a bunch of those guys were on one year deals, short term deals. So I kind of wondered about that. And then, you know, obviously Wentz fell apart. And I think the Eagles organization, uh, one of the things I will critique them for is that they kind of, they coddled him too much at the same time. They also maybe didn't coddle him enough, some thought, because they drafted Jalen Hurts after he went on a playoff run. And I think, you know, what they, they never saw Jalen Hurts being, they didn't draft him because they thought he was going to be, you know, an MVP candidate. I can't buy that. What I can buy is they, they saw a player who was so uniquely um, dialed in, in a way that, uh, like how Sirianni compares uh, Jalen Hurts to Michael Jordan. There's this, this will to win. And I think they're, they saw something special and they say, hey, let's bet on that. We don't know exactly what this is going to turn into, but we love this profile of this this prospect. And it has worked out for them. So, you know, there's there's a mixture of luck in here. There's a long answer, I know. Um, but there's also a lot of credit in terms of Howie. And one of the things that I've always said about Howie, even when I've been critical of him, is that he's really good at understanding value. So it's no surprise when he's able to get you know these big trades done and in their favorable terms for the Eagles because he just has that ability. And even when I have been critical of the Eagles in the past, it's never because they, they were dumb. It's just because I think they were too smart for their own good. I think they've outsmarted themselves in the past, um, which is kind of a, maybe a funny thing to think about. But um, a long story short, I guess, is that you know they've they've had the right people in place when it comes to good ownership, uh, a GM who has clearly borne out to be good and potentially a Hall of Famer here if the Eagles win two Super Bowls. Um, and there's just, there's a lot of – for as much as the bad things have gone on and there's some turmoil post-Super Bowl, ultimately there has been stability here. Uh, and, and I think what you said about kind of the situation that he put them in after that initial Super Bowl, like it's really easy for this stuff to unravel fast. And, and so for Howie to be able to – for it to unravel like that, the way that it did where – you have to get rid of your quarterback, you get rid of your head coach and you kind of rebuild the thing. And then to be back here, like it, it says how smart he is as a general manager. And you mentioned the training staff and that's something that I think is so underrated and doesn't get talked about because like the chief, the chief's head trainer is Rick Burkholder. Like your average fan has no idea who Rick Burkholder is and how long he's been with the Kansas City chiefs, but he's an Andy Reed guy. And the the chiefs for a long time mismanage injuries and they don't do that anymore. Like they're really smart with the way they manage snaps and, and health. And, and you mentioned them, you know, kind of laying off in training camp. The chiefs do that too. Andy Reid will just be like, just take the day off. Like we, we don't, we don't care. We, we need you for late in the season. And that stuff's really important. Like they mismanaged Eric Berry's injuries in the past in Kansas city. They mismanaged Jamal Charles, Justin Houston, like, those are veteran players that basically after they left the chiefs organization, couldn't sign to a team because they were physically broken. And so 
the strategy that's changed around that, I, I mean, I get that other like old school football people are like, you're not, they're soft now. The game's <laughs> soft because you don't practice. Like, no, we see that it matters where we're going to have a really good football game on Sunday between the two best teams in the NFL. And both of them are relatively healthy with all of the difference makers that they need to have on the field to make this a great game. So I, I think that's something that is really interesting and something that really goes overlooked. But you already mentioned uh, you know, this team is obviously loaded, and I, I think the biggest offseason acquisitions they made, obviously a blockbuster trade for wide receiver A.J. Brown, who, in my opinion, is one of the best wide receivers in football. He's an absolute stud. And then signing Hassan Reddick, who has had a weird career, but has always looked like he was a really good football player and for some reason has, has had issues kind of sticking and you know, had, a, had a good year with the Carolina Panthers last year, and then he comes in and obviously has a monster year for the Philadelphia Eagles. But those are the guys that Chiefs fans know. Like Those, those are the guys that they, that they are well aware of. But this team made a lot of moves this offseason, and the Chiefs played them last year and, and beat them in the regular season. But this is a totally different football team. So I'm just curious, what are some other like under-the-radar moves that this team made this offseason or during the season at the trade deadline that – just aren't highlighted enough that that are hugely impactful moves that help them get to a Super Bowl. Yeah, I, I think you can also look at the fact that the NFL's interception leader and yeah. in Chauncey Gardner Johnson, who they were able to just pick up because the Saints clearly weren't willing to pay him long term. I saw Sean Payton speaking on FS1, and I saw you quote this from me uh, about like, well, I don't know why the Saints got rid of him, and you were like, what? <laughs> like, oh, well, maybe it's because of the Taysom Hill contract. Yeah. The, the Saints are negative $60 million in cap space right now. That's, that's a very nice – it's a funny thing for him to be able to do. It's just like criticize them from afar for decisions that he made, but he doesn't have to pay for it because he's moved on. Um, but, yeah, CJGJ has been awesome, and – you know, I think he could be a big factor in this game when we're talking about Travis Kelsey and, you know, potential answers, or at least not, you know, not going to shut him down by any means, but at least slow him down a little bit. Or maybe, um, you know, CJ GJ can make a big play because he has a knack for doing that on the ball. I mean, he's been really important here. And I would think the team wants to sign him long term. We'll see after the season. He's a free agent. So is Marcus Epps. He goes other starting safety. And then I'll point to James Bradbury as well. I mean, for the Giants to just cut him. Uh, at a later point in the offseason when basically, you know, there was no market for players at that, well, I mean, relatively speaking, because it wasn't at the start of the new league year where everyone has their money and is willing to spend and be aggressive. You know, they released him a little bit later, so he didn't have the same kind of market that he would have if they hadn't cut him or, or parted ways um, in the beginning of the year. And I remember once upon a time, if I'm not mistaken, like the Chiefs were in the mix there uh, as a team rumored to be interested in a potential James Bradbury trade if the Giants were going to deal him. Uh, he, he ends up getting cut, goes to Philly. I mean, in terms of passer rating allowed, which is just one way to look at a cornerback season, but he's a better passer rating allowed than Darius Slay this season. I, I think you can make a case he, he's he been better. Um, obviously, most people will take the body of work of Slay over Bradbury, but, he, but he's been that good is the point. So you have those two guys in the secondary, and this Eagles pass defense is so good, and everyone wants to talk about the defensive line, and they should. He deserves a lot of credit. You know, you have four players with double-digit sacks. Never happened in the NFL before. Um, they've been crazy. And part of the reason they're so good up front, though, is because the secondary buys them time to get home and attack the quarterback. We do this every week um, when the Chiefs have the ball. And, fellas, there's a lot in this game. There is. We we talked about, you know, what this thing comes down to earlier, what it's simple, what do you want, best team, best coach and quarterback. But offensively for the Chiefs, 
Orlando Brown, this one's for you. Like this one is you. You have like you have to. You have to. You have to hold up. I'm not saying you got to be Orlando Pace. I'm not saying you got to be great. I'm not saying you got to be John Alt. I'm not saying you have to be any. Like you have to hold up because we already know the matchup that's keeping Andy and Eric and Nagy and Andy Heck up at night is whoever, especially Hassan Reddick versus old Sem Sep, Andrew Wiley. That matchup is keeping you awake. Like if you go through and look at their grades across. Creed Humphrey is rated as the number one center. Tony is rated as like number six when it comes to guards. Trey is like in the top 20, top 15 when it comes to guards. Even Orlando Brown is top 20. They got that man, Wiley, at 68. Like 60, I mean, it is a drop-off to everybody else. It is clear that's who they talking about when Jane asks who is the winkest link. We know it. It's 7-7. Seven, seven. And it's not just it's it's Hassan Reddick, the speed rusher, the second uh, the second highest sacks this year with sixteen for the Eagles. We watched him; hell, he killed Brock Purdy. Uh, I mean, like I mean, he did killed his arm. He killed. I mean, he ended the game for them. I mean, Brock, Brock's still alive. Uh, he's at the NFL awards ceremony right now. I'm watching it. Yeah, but is he there really? Like, <laughs> what can I don't know. Do? Is this live? This might be pre-recorded. I have no I idea. Mean, what I mean, what can he do? Like, I mean, can he? I mean, he can't high five you. He can't do anything. He can't pitch to his kids if he's got any. So, like, I mean, he took he took that man out, and it was easy. I mean, and he just raced around him. So we know coming into it. Like I like to me and Andy likes to pull this stuff. I don't think Andy's gonna do it this time. Because I know we've watched games this year where we sit there and said, Okay, Andy, you're just gonna just gonna let Max Crosby go one on one with over here with Wiley, huh? Just gonna sit here. That's what we're gonna do. No chip, nothing. Just gonna sit over here with that. They're just gonna sit over here and let Khalil Mack just go one on one with Wiley. Is that what we're gonna do here? That's the kind of party you're wanting to have. I don't think he's gonna do that. I think he knows he's got to have help. He's got to chip. He's got to do something over there. And God forbid, like that fool Kyle Shanahan did, another brainiac in there who's really good with offensive mind for some reason tried to go and just block Hassan Reddick with a tight end. Hopefully hopefully Andy's got that out of his system as well. Let's not do that. But if you got to help 7-7, that means Orlando Brown has to hold up with Sweat, with Graham, with whoever they put over there. And listen, I'm not going to sit here and say that I'm incredibly confident that that is going to happen, but just enough. Like, I'm not telling you ain't got to, like, you don't have to come out here and have to be the highest graded tackle or, or offensive lineman. You just got to hold up enough, hold up enough where at least Pat can step and, and, and have a reaction, by the way. And by the way, I still don't believe Pat's 100% yet. So, I mean, that doesn't help either. But this one, like, whoever. Whoever the Zeus character is, because I've not seen Zeus, whoever the, the, the nickname you've called referring to yourself as Zeus, I've not seen that character uh, in, in in the any of the time you've been here. Be nice to see his ass come out today uh, on Sunday. That that'd be nice. 
so Ron, back in the in the seventh grade, I was a I was a basketball player. I liked to consider myself one at least. Um, I I was what they called a glue guy. You know, oh, I, yeah. I I could set some screens. Screen I could get a good center. rebound for you. I could Over hit a couple top of defense. shots. Over the top defense. Yeah. I was never gonna be the guy that won you a game. Never wasn't my game. wasn't wasn't in the cards for me. My job was to make sure that I didn't lose it for us, and that is the job this week for Andrew Wiley. And for Orlando Brown, you don't got to win the game. Don't worry about it. I hope I never once talk about you on Sunday. Just don't be the reason they lose. And that's what's at stake for them in this game is if those guys play poorly, you can become the next Patriots that lost against the Giants. You can become uh, the, the, the team that struggles with a pass rush. And ultimately, that's what does you in. Like, you can become the Panthers when they went to the Super Bowl and had no chance. You can become the Broncos against uh, the, the Seahawks. Like, you can become one of these teams where defense just completely takes over and you never have a chance. I don't think that's going to happen. I have too much faith in Andy Reid to come up with other reasons or other ways that they can win offensively. I think you're going to see some screens in this game. I think the Chiefs' ability to get to their quick game this year that they have done all season long, that's going to show up in this game in a way that I don't know that I would be as confident in the team this time last year because they didn't have that in their bag. I think they're going to be able to go to 13 personnel where they got three tight ends on the field, and you're going to be able to run the ball a little bit out of that, come out with some play-action shots out of that, get a deep ball or two that way. I think they have answers this year that they did not have at any other point in Patrick Patrick Mahomes' career previously. And I think that's going to be how they're able to navigate away from this pressure. They're going to get them. They're going to get their sacks. But I don't think that it's going to be something that ultimately completely destroys this Chiefs offense. You know, Serta, and, and, and I'm also banking and hoping on this, Serta, that yeah, they, they've got 78 sacks on the season. Only the 85 Bears have had more in a season. And they and these jokers played 17 of them. My thinking is, I just wonder, can you play the same way that you've played all season with Patrick Mahomes? I wonder, does Patrick, does Patrick help them in some way, help the line in some way? Because... Like I can't, I, like I'd imagine, and maybe John Cannon's an idiot, but I imagine that boy. All right, I, I'm had to be a little more cautious and watch myself because I'm not playing Kirk Cousins or I'm not playing uh, a Tyler Taylor Heineke or Heineke or Carson Wentz or you know Dan Jones. Like I gotta, like I wonder does does Patrick Mahomes back off some of that aggressiveness or make them have to slow down or make them not have to put as many resources as they normally do to the pass rush because he's there. That's what I'm also hoping helps the line. I mean, I don't think that that's how you should play it. I don't think that's how they would play it just based on what they've had success doing as a defensive unit this season. But I mean, I think Mahomes can help the offensive line because he's so good at escaping and creating. Now, if we'll see what happens with the ankle and how that holds up. But I think that that's why what BK was saying, like the quick game, the the quick screens and stuff like that, dialing those up is going to be huge. We know Jarek McKinnon is a great pass blocker. And I think there's a reason, and I'm willing to bet on it, and I am betting on it, and Arrowhead Pride same game parlay this week. 
Oh, that yeah. Jarek McKinnon has had a quiet postseason. And I think that was a little bit by design. Like he was on this insane run to end the regular season. And then Andy said, we can do it with other guys in the playoffs. And now you got to come in and try to game plan for that. And you go, Oh, we forgot about Jarek McKinnon. And Andy reads all of a sudden dialing up screens that are going for 25 yard gains. And we know that Andy can do that whenever he wants. So when he has two weeks to prepare for it, I think he's going to dial some of that stuff up to try to get the ball out of Mahomes' hands. And I think with as quick as their pass rush is and as quick as they try to blow plays up, they leave things open in the short intermediate, and that's how you can beat them as an offense. One sneaky big piece to this defense, Ron, and I, I think it's going a little underrated, is that they're basically a 5-2. Like, they're technically listed yep. as a 4-3, but they essentially play a 5-2 because Hassan Reddick is, is never comes off the line of scrimmage. He's a, he's a linebacker that plays like an overhang, basically, is the way that he operates. If you want to look at it as like a 3-4 a where they've got the two edge rushers that are – you could call it that as well. Whatever yeah. you want to call it, they have five defensive linemen that are on the field basically at all times. What do they always say about um, beating Tom Brady or beating Mahomes? They say win with four, right? Well, the Eagles win with five. That's the way that they operate. And so they're almost always going to drop seven into coverage for the most part. They will play some zone stuff where they'll have, you know, Sweat, Graham, or Reddick dropping into coverage, but that's not where they win. I do think that that could be a sneaky big factor in this game because you just have one less guy to operate with. You've got one less guy to be in the middle of the field. You've got one less guy to be a robber there. You've got one less guy to be able to double up on Travis Kelsey. Like it just... It does change what you can do defensively. And I'm not saying it's going to be the the end-all, be-all, and that's going to be the reason they lose. But it's just a, a sneaky, potentially big factor that could play into this game where, like, if you are able to get past that first level of the defense, whether it's in the running game or the passing game, you're going to be able to potentially get some chunks in a way that you wouldn't if they were dropping seven or eight on most other plays.